Before listening to this episode of Thought and Leaders, please get an old packet of playing cards that can be ripped up, as well as some sheets of paper and a pen or pencil. Then get ready for an abracadabra magical show. This is London Court. listening to Thought and Leaders. Hello, 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 and welcome to another magical episode of Thought and Leaders, the global podcast that reaches up your sleeve. I'm going to introduce you to a very magical guest, Mr. Tony Middleton. Hello, Tony. Hello. We're going to attempt to do a magic performance or two, maybe even three if they're lucky. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself, Tony. It's Tony Middleton, otherwise known as Sonic, as I have sticky up hair. And uh, I perform at the Sheraton Grand Park Lane in Mayfair. And I've also performed at the Savoy Hotel and the Meridian on Piccadilly Circus. Um, and I do parlor magic. Uh, so parlor magic is somewhere between close-up magic and stage magic. What got you into magic? Most people get into magic when they're about 10 years old and they get given a magic set for Christmas. And for the most part, that's most people's story. But I also studied drama and theatre as well. So it's a degree level and I trained as a director. And then I put my magic skills together with my directing and producing skills and started to make my own shows. So now I, I create immersive magic experiences for small groups of audience at the same time. There's a uh, station in London, Charing Cross Station. There's this subway part of it there. And for many, many years, there was a very famous magic shop in this subway. It was called Davenport's. It's gone now. I, I know that there's a magic shop in the city somewhere near Hoban, sort of idea. There's one there. Farringdon is where the uh, international magic is. It's the only magic shop left in London now, I think. Where do people go now to get their tricks? But more importantly, where do they go to chat to other magicians? Because that's one of the things I used to love about going to Davenport. Magic shops were a great place to go and find out about magic. And then magic societies and clubs was the other place. Uh, and it's a kind of a shame that these bricks and mortar magic shops are gradually disappearing. Do you think that people need magic now? Magic lifts people out of their daily existence to experience something new and have a moment of amazement and wonder. What you're really bringing is you know, joy and wonder to other people. And that's a, a really nice uh, gift to have and to, to pass on. So when you perform, do you find that there are very distinctive types of audiences? Is there like the guy who just wants to know how it's done? And then there's the guy who just enjoys the fact that he doesn't or she doesn't know how it's done. You get a mixed audience, don't you? You always have people who 
want to go out and enjoy themselves and they're the perfect audience and americans in particular love magic uh, they're always great as, as soon as you come on they'll say oh here's the magician great as well as a british audience sort of sits there with their arms folded and kind of waits until you've proved yourself go on then you're so is it that kind of thing once you get past that facade um, and you blow them away then they can be the best audience in the world ah you mentioned something called parlor magic as opposed to close-up magic as opposed to another type of magic so do you want to take us through these different types of performance sure so people are most familiar with close-up magic they might have seen a magician come to their wedding or private party or something like that and parlor magic is closer to close-up magic it's done using a kind of drawing room setting, so about 40, 50 people at a time. So everyone is kind of close enough to see what's going on, but it's not on stage where you could say, oh, well, I can't see. Maybe they've got trapdoors or mirrors or whatever. I think people, when they go to see a Vegas-style magic show, will always say, well, I was too far away to really know whether what I was seeing was real or not. Parlor magic brings it close enough to the audience for them to really see what's going on, but still have that theatrical experience and for me that's the best environment for magic yeah and, and of course that's how i met you and so when i was there i think i was in the meridian hotel watching you and you were talking at the time about the importance of that street from a historical magical point of view just down the road from the meridian hotel on piccadilly there was in fact the most famous magic venue of the victorian era anyone who knows london at all may know where the royal academy is and the burlington arcade literally opposite the burlington arcade is where egyptian hall london's famous magic theater would have been and it would have had a fake egyptian facade to it and originally this was a museum of old curiosities but over time it gradually turned into a world famous magic venue run by two producers called masculine and cook was a powerhouse of magical ingenuity so the building would have had this kind of strange egyptian frontage to it i believe it's the only building in the uk that would have been like that at the time and maybe since i think there was actually a copy of this particular building um, in penzance and somebody was so inspired by the idea of it that they actually made a private house that you can go and hire which is based on Egyptian Hall's frontage. It's the only kind of physical existence of that space still, but you can find illustrations of how it would have looked. So who would have played in that space? Well, they did all sorts of things. They did little playlets involving magic. They had famous magicians passing through the space, people like Alexander Herman, uh, who was a big name in his time. They would have had demonstrations of seance uh, exposure uh, they would have also had you know scientific demonstration they had pepper's ghost demonstrated in there for example um, they would have had automata and things like that shown it, it was really a, a really interesting place to go and see a show you talked about the idea that there were people who tried to show that some of these seances were cons houdini had a big agenda about exposing fraudulent mediums, mainly because he was so attached to his mother that when she died, he desperately wanted to get in contact with her, but basically discovered that every seance that he went to, they were just magicians masquerading as spiritualists. Whilst people very much bought into the whole genre, they were booked quite often as entertainers. And so the person who could produce the best ghosts would be booked more regularly than the people who couldn't. And it started with two sisters in Hydersville, New York, who 
could apparently generate rapping sounds uh, from their family home. And people came to see this and people concluded that it was the other side that was contacting them. Um, and this sparked the whole spiritualist movement. Uh, that was in 1844. Um, Kate and Maggie Fox were, were the two uh, girls who started it all off. And it just spread like wildfire from there. And actually, 40 years later, one of the girls revealed that it was a complete hoax. We live in a world obsessed with fake news. It's interesting to look at fake news, isn't it, from a magical point of view, in terms of trying to convince people that something is there when it's not there. It's fascinating. All marketing is magic, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, if you can make someone believe something or engage with something emotionally, that's a trick in my mind. Magicians, they use these principles and marketing has drawn on magic methods also in order to make people buy into products talking about spotting the fakes you were involved on a show with pen and teller so the show was fool us i was on the first series with a friend of mine called chris dugdale and we worked together on a piece generating a fantasy journey from a travel brochure and at the end we reveal what the audience has chosen that we've already predicted the other magician was a apparently a volunteer on stage helping me he peels off his skin his his hands and and his face to reveal that he's the other magician at the end so it's kind of getting one back on Penn and Teller and Jonathan Ross who was presenting at the time that would have been a huge investment for you this prosthetics was developed in Hollywood and mm. it's been used on lots of films but also it's been used, I understand, in burglary <laughs> and well, crime, uh, because obviously once they see people on CCTV footage, they're then looking for somebody who doesn't exist. <laughs> okay, so thank you for, on behalf of all the criminals around the world, giving them an idea. <laughs> now, did you fool people, though, with the trick? Absolutely. The way it was edited, they worked out how we got the other magician on stage but they actually didn't understand the main trick with the travel brochure at all uh, it flew straight over them but tv being what it is they edited the first bit to make it look like we hadn't fooled them uh, but we absolutely did so you're saying that you did fool them according to the tv version of it you didn't so hold on now i'm feeling fooled because i'm thinking well do they really fool them or don't they fool them in in real life if there's any little bit that they've worked out, they're most likely going to edit that in their favour because they can't send everyone to Vegas, can they? <laughs> Who would you say have been the greatest magicians in Vegas? Oh, well, I mean, you've got some of the best acts there in the world. I mean, obviously, David Copperfield is number one. People like Mac King, which I think a lot of public don't know about. He does an afternoon show, but he's one of the top Vegas acts, actually. Who would be the Don Corioli of magic to magicians? There's a few. For example, past president of the Magic Circle, David Burglass, Aaron Brown, for example. There are other people. There's a magician called Phil Jay, who's been in the background, had a huge influence on other people. So there are, there are lots and lots of magicians who have imparted their knowledge and inspired a whole generation of the next magicians. When I was a kid, I grew up watching a guy called David Nixon. He was like a gentleman magician, I would say. You're absolutely right. He's the gentleman. And anyone who's not seen David Nixon should check it out because I'm sure there are some old clips on YouTube that you know are really worth your time. 
Yeah. And and then, you, of course, you, you mentioned Paul Daniels. There was another guy, Ali Bongo. He was like the Andy Nyman of his time because he, he used to help devise all these things, didn't he? He was a technical for Paul Daniels' magic shows and several others as well. And Andy Nyman, of course, is a director and actor. He's co-written shows with Darren Brown, but he's first and foremost an actor, actually. When they do say on the TV, don't try this at home, they really do mean don't try this at home. Chung Ling Su was killed on stage at the Wood Green Empire. The Magic Circus has got his costume in their collection. They have a museum um, of objects, and, and they've got his original costume there. Magic's filled with really interesting stories like that. Nobody knows, really, to this day, whether that was a complete accident or there might have been some malice involved. They're still working it out. Talking about working things out, this brings me to the first magical performance here on Fortin Leaders. That's right. You're going to help me at home with a really, really unique piece of magic. And what you need for this is a pencil or pen and a piece of paper. Okay? Right. Everyone, pause the podcast for just a second. Get a plain piece of paper, pen or a pencil... Hello and welcome back. So uh, you must do exactly as I say as we go through this, because I want you to really focus on what I'm telling you to do, because I believe that I can influence you just while you're listening to this podcast. And it sounds impossible, but wherever you are right now, I want one person, if there's more than one of you listening to this, only one person do this, okay? Draw a nice big circle on that piece of paper like a clock face. Right, I'm just doing it now. Hold on a second. I've drawn a circle. Yeah, I've got that. Done that. Yeah. Great. And you're going to put a 12 at the top, a 6 at the bottom. A 12 at the top. A 3 on the right and a 9 on the left. So you're going to make a clock face. And in fact, you're going to fill all the numbers all the way around. So 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The 12 is at the top. 8, 9, 10, 11. Done. Okay, yeah. Perfect. Now, I want you to... Place your finger, your free finger, mm. on 12. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing that, yeah. Now, whilst you've got your finger on the 12, I want you to choose secretly another number on the clock face. So, for example, you might choose five, mm. okay? Yeah. And when yeah. I say go, yeah. what you're going to do is you're going to actually spell that word out so if it was five i'd start on the one and i'd go f i v e and that would bring me to a new number which might be five or it might be a completely different number so it doesn't depends what you choose but most importantly i won't know what number you're on and you won't okay. be expecting it either so start off on the 12 with yeah. your finger choose another number yeah. secretly yeah i've got that in my head count round the clock face yeah. Until until you reach the, the next number. So you spell out the number. Off you go. Yep. Okay. Done? I'm here. Now, at this point in time, I couldn't possibly know what number you've got your finger on. Yep. And you probably didn't know you could be there either. Fair? Okay. Okay. Good. So now I want you to do the same thing again. Look at the number that's underneath your finger right now, and you're going to, yeah. again, count round the clock face, spell that number out. Correct. Keep going round the clock face. That brings you to a second number. 
Yeah, I've done that. I'm in that position now. So you've now got your finger on a second number. Yeah. Which again, I couldn't possibly know what it is. Yeah. Let's do it again. Let's do one more. So look at what's underneath your finger and spell that one out. Go around the clock face and that'll bring you to another position. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Great. So you've got your finger now on one last number there. And actually, I'm going to try something here. I want you to scribble out some numbers uh, with, the, with your, your free hand. So um, keep your finger on that number. But I, I'm sensing that you're not on a number two at the moment. So could you cross out number two, please? Scrub that out. Good. I don't think you're on number four either. Could you scrub that one out? Correct. I'm not on number four. How about, oh, I don't think you're on number eight. Could you get rid of that one for me? Absolutely correct. I'm not on number eight. Now, we're going to count round one more time just to make it more interesting and obviously skip over any numbers that you've already crossed out. Yeah. Okay, so look at the n- number underneath your finger and do one more okay. count round the clock. Okay, I'm at the next number. Yeah. Perfect. I don't think that you're on 9, 10, 11 or 12. Could you scrub all of those out, please? Right. Okay. Yeah. You're not on the number five. Get rid of that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, not on seven. Get rid of that one. Yeah. I think you're on the number six. How the hell? Brilliant. You could have started by choosing any number. That is amazing. Um, I don't know how he does it, everyone. Wow. That's a sub. Okay. Uh, speechless. Is it harder to do mind reading tricks than it is to get the sophistication of actual physical stuff? Because physical stuff all depends on how you present it, isn't it? Sleight of hand takes years to master. The audience doesn't know whether the technique has taken you years to master or whether it's taken five minutes. The skill of the magician is in presentation most of the time because it doesn't matter how good you are as a technician. Unless you can really entertain an audience, you're not really a magician. If it's sleight of hand, well, there's an explanation. It's done using some sort of technique. As whereas if something's being done in your mind, well, there's no method. Uh, How could you possibly know what they're thinking of? It seems more impossible. But the irony is there is some sleight of hand that takes years to master that the audience should never see. Then you have the other type of magician, and I'm thinking of David Blaine here. He's showing us feats of endurance, isn't he, really? standing on one leg or whatever. I mean, that's not a magic trick. He's either standing on one leg, unless he's doing it with mirrors. This is a different type of magic, isn't it? People don't know exactly what it is that he's doing. So he's creating conversation. It's engaging everybody and making them talk. But his street magic stuff was fantastic. The original series he he did back in the 90s. Um, He was groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, but then you got people like Dynamo, who came along with his street magic as well. It seems to be that magic, in terms of the performance style, goes into vogues. There's a period when it's one type of magic, then there's a period when it's a different type of magic. Absolutely. I think, actually, after Blaine, pretty much all TV magic has geared itself towards street magic. Once they find a format that's successful, TV producers repeat it. And then, of course, you have a sort of hit-and-run style magic and hidden camera magic has kind of crept in there as well. 
So as you say, it goes in vogue. So I think now, ironically, it's probably returning gradually to stage performance and live performance that demonstrates a certain level of skill. Because if you look at things like the Penn and Teller Fooler show, it basically runs in front of a live audience. Brilliant. So now I've got with me uh, our producer, who is here to try out one of your other tricks. Hi, Tony. Hi, how you doing? Good, thanks. You? Yes, very good. Good. For this, you're going to need some playing cards. Have you got some playing cards there? Okay, I have some in front of me. Yep. So you're going to need four playing cards, and hopefully it's an old deck of cards, because I'm going to ask you to rip some of these up. Yeah, that's fine. So four. I need four cards, did you say? Yeah. Exactly, four cards. And if anyone listening wants to join in with this, you just need to pause the podcast and go and get four playing cards, preferably old cards that you don't mind ripping up uh, from a pack you never use. Okay, I have four. Can I look at them? Absolutely. So take a quick look at the cards first. Mix up those cards. Okay. And I'll do this with you as well. I've picked four cards too. Right. Okay, mixed up. There we go. Now, put them together into a little packet. That's done. And you're going to hold them with the backs facing towards yourself. Okay? Yep. So the backs towards yourself. We're going to be ripping through all the cards simultaneously. Now, that's difficult to do. So first of all, could you bend the cards forward and backward as one packet in your hand just bend them forwards and backwards so that you can make a, it makes a crease yeah so i can crease right down the middle of the cards you can even fold them right in half to start off with if you want to and then fold them back right. on themselves just keep going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards mm-hmm. and backwards and forwards okay? okay and eventually you can rip through all four cards simultaneously i'm doing this together with you okay Okay, that's done. Yep, done that. In my left hand, I've got four pieces, and in my right hand, I've got four pieces. Are you the same? Okay, yes. Very good. Hopefully, anyone listening is also doing the same too. What you're going to do is you're going to take uh, one packet and put it on top of the other, so face down, okay? So all the, all the pieces are face down, but one packet isn't on top of the other. Okay, I've done that. Good. Now, let's take, uh, for example, three off the top. Three off the top. Yeah, so take three pieces off the top, and I want you to bury them in the middle, okay? One, two, three. In the middle of the broken pack, you mean, the ones that I've broken? Yeah, so you've got yeah, a packet okay. of all of the cards. Yeah. You just take, uh, which is, or pieces, we should now say, because you've basically got eight pieces, and you've taken okay. three bits off the top and shoved them in the middle. Yep, that's done. Now, that gives you a new top piece, which you won't know what it is. Okay. And I don't want you to look at it. I want you to take it and put it somewhere secret. Okay. So don't look at that yet. That's done. Very good. No, okay. Now, okay. you can take a piece and bury it in the middle. Bury it in the middle. Okay, that's done. And actually, if you're doing this with somebody else, Mm-hmm. at home so there's a couple of you doing this at the same time you could actually take the next top piece yep. and put it into the middle of their packet and they could take their top piece and put it in the middle of your packet uh, but if you're on your own right well you can do it yourself okay 
Right. Would you give me a number between like one, two, give me one, two or three as a choice? Two. Okay. So everybody now take two pieces from the top and bury them in the middle. Okay. That's done. Okay. And one, two or three, what would you like? Three. Three. So everyone take three pieces now and bury them in the middle. Okay. That's done. Okay, uh, give me another number. Three again. Three? So everyone take three pieces off the top and this time put them on the bottom. Mix it up a bit. Okay. Okay. It's done. Yep. Why don't we now take three off the top and throw them away, get rid of them. Okay, they're thrown away. Okay, so we're now left with four pieces. Yes. So what I want you to do is take the next top piece and put it on the bottom. Okay. Throw the next top piece after that away. Okay. Uh, we'll do this again. Take the next top piece, put it on the bottom, and throw the next top piece away. And okay. In fact, keep doing this. Top one to the bottom, next top piece, throw it away. Until you're left with right. literally one piece in your hand. I've got one card, one card in my hand, one piece in my hand, yeah. Half of a card. <laughs> Half of a card. Uh -huh. Now, bear in mind, that you could have chosen any numbers in terms of the way we mix them up, how many you wanted yep. to mix and that kind of thing. And you might have even mixed them with other people at home and you didn't even look at the card to start with. No. And I couldn't possibly know what you've got. Yeah. This would be interesting if they matched, wouldn't it? It would be. What do you think? <laughs> See if they match. And if they do, give yourself a huge round of applause. Okay. Wow. Woo! Wow. That is absolutely amazing. Amazing, Tony. Now, have you got one more? Well, I thought what I would do, actually, is I'd teach you a trick. What do you think? Okay. If you've got a pack of cards there at home, and you don't need a full deck to do this, by the way, you just need to have four of a kind. So, for example, the four queens. You've got four queens there in the pack. Uh, I'm just looking. Just... One, two, three, four. Yes, I have. Great. So take the four queens out for me. And if you don't have four queens and you're listening to this, just use any four of a kind. It'll work with any cards, okay? So what you're going to do is you're going to put a red queen on the top and a black queen on the bottom of your deck. So if you're holding the deck face down in your hand... Mm -hmm. Yep. But you're looking straight at the backs of the cards. And I've got them on my left hand here. At the, on the top of the deck, I've got a red queen. Yep. And on the bottom of the deck, I've got a black queen. Yep. Okay. And the other two queens I'm just going to put on the table. Or actually, I tell you what, just start off with just bung them in the middle of the pack. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just for the minute. Now, what you would do um, when you present this trick is you, you put the cards away in the box at this point, And then when it's time to do the magic, you would remove the cards from the box. Okay. And you say, I want to show you something, kind of a little fun thing with, with two queens. And you then spread the cards towards yourself. So obviously they can't see the top right. of the bottom plane. So and you remove the two queens from the middle and place them face up on the table. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do that right now. So that makes it look really casual, like you ha haven't set anything up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not fixed, right? <laughs> so... 
So you've just gone through and gone, oh, I'll use two queens, and you just put them face up on the table. Yeah. Now I've got the cards face down at my left hand, and I've got oh, the two queens face up right. on the table. Right. Okay. Okay. So the way it works two is queen, this. Yeah. Yeah. you're going to deal mm-hmm. cards from the top of the deck yep. down the table, and you're going to ask the other person right. to say we stop can... whenever they yep. want. So I'm dealing through now, okay, and I imagine that I've got a, a right. volunteer watching this. They say stop, stop, okay, and I now take the black queen and place it face up exactly okay. where they said stop. Okay, so the cards are face down, but I'm going to put the queen in face up. Face up. So the cards are face down, but the queen is face up. Is that right? Yes. So I'm putting the queen in face up so they can see where it is. Right. Okay. okay. And now I'm going to drop the rest of the cards on top. Face down. Yeah? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the only thing that's face up is the queen. Okay. That's done. And I'm going to pick up the pack now. And I'm yep. going to do the same thing again. I'm just going to deal the cards down one at a time and ask them whenever they want to call stop. So they say stop. Yeah. And I take the other queen, the red queen, and put it in face up. Stop. Right. Okay. That's stopped. Okay. And then I drop, drop the rest of yep. the cards on top. All right? Okay. So now, if you were to spread through the cards, you would see the face up black queen and the face up red queen. Right, I'm just double checking on that just to make sure I've got this right. Yep. And all the rest of them are face down. That's correct. Yeah? Okay. So essentially what's happened is you've asked them to say stop wherever they wanted and then you put the queen in face yep. up mm-hmm. where they said. At least that's what they think has happened. Right. Now, if you go to one of the face up queens and take out the card to the right, i.e. above it, just place it on the table. So take out the queen and the one above So the queen and the one above it? Yes, the one to the right. Okay. Same with the other one. Okay. That's done. If you turn them over, you'll find that the red queen has found its partner and the black queen has found its partner. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> so the way that works is because when you put the cards down after you put the face-up card in, the you've already set it up with the card, the queen's on the top and the bottom of the pack, so they actually go straight next to it. Yeah. So in reality, that's not where you stopped. We'll do it again very quickly just so that everyone understands. Put the black queen on the bottom, the red queen on the top, and have your other two cards face-up ready to go. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Let's just start dealing them now. It doesn't matter where they say stop, because when you put in yep. the black queen... Stop. Okay. Just before you drop them on top, just look at the bottom card of that packet. Look, it's the other black queen. So it's going straight next to... Right, got you. Yep. The queen that they've put down, yeah? The same again. You deal through, and it's, it's actually you deal through, the same yep. thing again. It's what's called a self-working magic trick. Yeah. So you get them to say stop you put the queen in face up and then the, as you again just quickly look at the bottom uh, card of that packet you're about to drop on top of the face up queen that should mm-hmm. be the red queen okay yeah obviously mm-hmm. you don't know that no now it means that the card above it to the right is the one that matches yeah but of course that's never where they said stop but they've forgotten exactly what happened yeah. and you're you're using that to your advantage that's clever clever yeah 
Thank you very much, Tony. I shall be using this on Christmas Day, I think, for a few people. <laughs> Thank you. As always, this guy takes the parlour away from the room onto the global stage, and no one else can do it better than this man, Tony Middleton. Now, you have been doing some performances online, haven't you? Yeah. How can people get tickets? There are people who who won't want to travel all the way to go and see a show in person, but would you know happily um, do something different of an evening from the comfort of their own sofa. Brilliant. So go to magichourshow.com and there's always a bit of magic in our hearts. Be sure to share that magic with people all around. Till next time, take care. Lovely. Leaders is a Gabai production. To sponsor this series, or discover how award-winning content can boost your brand, please visit thoughtandleaders.com or email reinventatme.com. That's reinventatme.com. Do I get the job, Jonathan? I wanna reach out and grab you.